six-pack double features. Two friends, two movies, two mics, and too much beer. Tonight, Nathan loses his Budweiser virginity, Travis loses his homework, and the guys play fast and loose with the F-word, with the fifth element and die hard. Yippee-ki-yay, multi-pass! Every 5,000 years. Remove the shield. When the three planets are in eclipse, the black hole like a door is open. Evil comes, spreading terror and chaos. There's nothing that can stop this. There is only one thing. Perfect. The Mondachiman have in their possession the only weapon to defeat evil. Four elements gathered around the fifth. Mission of the utmost importance. Oh, what mission? Save the world. <laughs> is, uh, is that thing solid? Unbreakable. Good. Order the stone. I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't tell somebody like you. Nowhere else to go. That sure does make it sound like a far better movie. <laughs> they didn't say much, did they? No, and <clears throat> like we were discussing before, that this there was I, I I particularly remember a trailer where it was just like vignettes and there's no dialogue yeah. and it's just music and so that's that's the what I element. remember. Yeah, and you're Nathan. Yeah, and he's Travis. This is six pack double feature. Yeah, and it is a uh, a late late afternoon. No, I'm lying. It's 10:30 in the morning, but we're gonna go ahead and get this party started. <laughs> we have to start early if uh, we want to be able to get home, or at least me. <laughs> what uh, What are you drinking over right here? now? I'm just drinking Coors Light. I am too, but I'll tell you why. I'm drinking Coors because it's uh, shiny and airy and spacey and doesn't have a lot of substance. <laughs> um, like like our first movie. Uh, yeah, there's. It feels like there's something missing in Fifth Element. I mean, I don't I don't disparage the movie per se. No, but, no, I love the movie. But it uh, it's definitely not as. It's like it's definitely not as good as what's coming behind this one. Yeah, yeah. It kind of just goes right into. Well, well, number one. Being Die Hard in Space. Yeah, it's Die Hard in Space because Die Hard became the Die Hard of and then enter whatever, Die Hard a bus. That's speed, you know, Die Hard on a boat. That's speed too, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
we got to use it twice. But <clears throat> this film is – it's like – I put it like here. It's – he is um, – Bruce Willis is, is more is, – is a little more snarky. In yeah, this one, yeah. not as just smartass, but more snarky in this one. And so yeah. this is more like – this is definitely the John McClane of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's like Die Hard with a Vengeance meets Blade Runner, except Blade Runner is on like cocaine that's been laced with LSD. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean – Yeah, you know, because I would I would say Blade Runner is like a film that's on heroin because it's very kind of depressing. Sure, it's, sure. You sure. know <laughs> – and this coming from someone who has absolutely no experience with recreational narcotics. Well, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> or illegal narcotics for that matter. But I've been to Portland, Oregon. I've seen plenty of people on the streets on heroin. It's it's very morose. Yeah, yeah, and the tone is dark and it's rainy. Whereas, yeah, like you said, the fifth element. This one is, is very. It's well, eye candy. I, well, that was one of the things that when researching this movie, since I have the the trivia zone for this film, is that. Luke Besson, the director and writer, wanted everyone to wanted us to believe that the future can be bright. I saw, I saw that. I remember reading that. You too. know, yeah. and I get it. And it can be kind of funny, you know, and weird. And I'm like, I can't put my finger on what it is that it's missing. There's like a a common like pillar. There's a, there's kind of some like heart that's missing from the yeah. I think film. that's what it is. It's heart. Like you don't really sympathize with. You don't really. You don't sympathize with Corbin Dallas. You don't sympathize with anybody. You sympathize a little bit with Lilu, you know, just because of the mess that she's kind of been thrown in. Yeah. I maybe. feel it when she's in the, when she falls into the cab and she's like, please help. Yeah. You know, please, please, please help. I feel it there. I don't necessarily feel it in a lot of other parts of the movie, but I definitely feel it there. I would think I always forget. A couple of things I always forget is that the movie starts in 1914 in Egypt. Oh, and that Luke Perry for some reason gets above <laughs> the title credit. No, no, I know what I put down here is like the, this movie is old enough to make the statement that Luke Perry was still apparently relevant in <laughs> 1997, or at least trying to be relevant. We're going to put you in this new Bruce Willis movie. Oh, awesome! Do I get to see him? No, <laughs> you're in like the first 15 minutes that goes really slow. That that's where I put down. That was one of the first things that I put down here on plot points and pacing was the. It's like they really should have trimmed that up, in my opinion, at I least five minutes. It's slow. I don't mind it because I, I always I love that juxtapose of aliens mm-hmm. and their advanced technology against right. either ancient. Kind of like uh, uh, what was the other movie? Uh, Kurt Russell was in it. Um, it was in Stargate. 90- Stargate. I love that advanced technology with ancient. Or primitive, more primitive culture stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of cool to me. And it, <laughs> oh. during that scene, he pulls out a bottle of grappa. That's what I wrote down too. <laughs> I was like, yes. I think he asked for it by name. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I paused it. and I made sure to write it down. I wrote he it down on my a key. Drink- camel pee. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the ship, the alien ship, is not sexy, sleek. No, not like you know, not that the Millennium Falcon is, but it just it's clunky and bulbous and. Utilitarian, kind yes. Of the, I can't remember the name of the aliens with the big look like the Slipknot masks. Uh, <laughs> the Grappas. <laughs> the Grappas. Uh, are you talking about the, the ship that first comes down in Egypt? The ones that, like the the metal the, robot-y yeah, the, things. Yeah, uh, I have that written down somewhere, but I like, I'll find it at some point. I like they're like they're the, kind of like robot monks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as pacing, I have they 
they don't let shit like character development get in the way. They just cruise at top speed. Mm-hmm. And you kind of there's at least two, if not three, movies contained in this movie. Yeah, and I think I remember reading he he originally meant it to be a trilogy. A trilogy, I think. Yeah. yeah. And you get kind of it feels. I that can way. see that it's kind of like how I guess Lucas with Star Wars and he wrote like a six hundred page script and realized that he could only shoot like a third of it. Yeah. So he made <clears throat> the first one, Star Wars, out of it. So that kind of makes sense. But I mean, the opening for me just kind of. It's it weird. Do, it doesn't start you off like let's get going. Yeah. Mm, no. Let's get going eventually. Yeah. But then again, when we address Die Hard, it, it doesn't start off with a bang either. But it's just no. slowly building itself up. Yeah. It's developing its characters. I also love that Debo is the president of the planet, <laughs> yes. which in, evidently in the future, Earth is now America and Debo is the president. <laughs> it's so weird. It's not, I know. It's, it is. It is really strange. Uh, oh, geez. Um, I put down here, uh, the film, it looks like it's like a live action graphic novel or science fiction comic book. And I think he took yeah. some ideas from a French mm. comic book of That's sorts. That's right. He too. got, he got, uh, he got sued. sued for it. Yeah. But I think it was dismissed. I don't think he caught, it might come up in my trivia. I don't remember. Did I do trivia for this? Or I hope you? not. Cause you were supposed to do it for Die Hard, And if not, we're going to. I think I may have done it for both. I think maybe both. I'll let you do trivia on this one. Yeah, hey, that's good. Let me check my diehard notes just to make sure. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> We're going to do a quick uh, cursory glance during the break, and we'll have some notes for diehard for you. <laughs> <laughs> Off-the-cuff notes. I. Uh... So, uh, Nathan, why don't you pull up IMDb? <laughs> Let's read some trivia. <laughs> <laughs> It could work. Uh, could it? They look. I think in this movie they made some questionable choices for their lead roles. They, they, they chose Bruce Willis for obvious reasons, but everybody well, else. Well, is... they chose Bruce Willis because at the time he was still, for the most part, you know, he was the action yeah, star Mr. of, Mr. Hot of shit. late. Yeah, but everybody other than the, the lead monk, Ian Holm, is that Ian Holm? Yeah, he's the he's the android in Alien. Oh yeah, he's yeah. been a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he's good. I I I don't mind Mila no, Jojovich she's great. She's great. either. She's great. I like and her and a lot. it takes me every time I have to research to how to pronounce her name because if I don't, then I'll just say Jojovich and it's Jojovich. Jojovich. Yeah. Mila Jojovich. Yeah, Mila Jojovich. I even put it in parentheses right here. Mila Jojovich, and then it says Yolovich <laughs> in parentheses. Um, don't ask me to say what her full character's name is because it's long and it's about as. 37 characters and like that one, two, three, like the, like one name, it has two hyphens. That's what, that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Like that Fiona Apple right. album. When the pawn. Oh yeah. When the pawn is all, and then ellipses. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he, she had like an 87 word title album. Um, uh, when Corbin first wakes up in his apartment, he looks like the blonde guy in Fargo. <laughs> Oh, that's Peter Storm hair. Yeah, just, yeah, for just uh, a second. It's funny. You got some unguent. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Just and for a second. Like, yeah, he just, does. He does. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, do you like how this film kind of had the idea of 3D printing before 3D printing existed? I, where did I write that down? 3D printing scene might be my favorite. Um, yeah. Where they clone Lilu. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It's, and it still kind of holds up. I mean, the visuals, for the most part, in this movie are, are, are pretty... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. That's o- it. Only a couple of things. that There's some music that dates it. 
just just the, yeah. the tone of the music in general. Well, and the guy who wrote the score, Eric Serra, for this also wrote the score for Goldeneye, which is really the only thing that I don't like about Goldeneye. Okay, I can hear that now. It's that ethereal, spacey kind of mm-hmm. thing going for it, and that it works more for this film than it sure, definitely does sure. for Goldeneye. I, I like the little nods to other movies. Um, obviously, it's got quite a bit of a pretty big tip of the hat to Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's that one Blade Runner reference where he's eating the sushi. Mm-hmm. He's eating the whatever it is. The, the boat. Yeah. The co- yeah, the boat that then takes off. And, and then I've written Indiana Jones, but I don't remember. Oh, it's probably the Egyptian thing. Yeah. But there's some, The archaeologist. Yeah, a little bit of Indiana Jones to it. It does. Other than that, it's just so much eye candy. It is definitely. It's Yeah, that's Not, that's one of the things that, I, that I'll address uh, in a little bit towards my final thoughts is that it's just but you kind of mentioned it that it was uh he borrowed some stuff from a uh, a french uh graphic novel i actually think he ended up making and adapting that into a like movie. within the last year mm, which also was not, not one like one of the mo- <laughs> probably not good <laughs> and also like one of the most expensive movies at least made in europe um a lot of the shots are framed in like 90 degree angles which kind of lend it to look like panels of a, of of a graphic a, that I, makes i never thought about that it's i love that when when uh, filmmakers do that. I think it looks so cool. Yeah, it's, I think this is this is like the first movie I remember seeing Mila in, and then she went on to make like twelve Resident Evil movies uh, at all. Or... I'd first seen her in uh, <laughs> Dazed and Confused. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I know she was in stuff earlier, but this is the first thing that I personally sure. remember. So, but yeah, she was in that. Is there uh, anything that doesn't work for you? Uh, let's see here. What doesn't work? I have three bullet points on this one. Uh, Corbin's bitter and ever-complaining mom and her insistent phone calls really feel strained. Almost unnecessary. It's not funny, and it's pointless to carry the story along. Corbin, you won. It's your mother. It's your mother. I just, I, I can't stand that. The film suffers a little from uh, Besson's concept overload where it feels like no one told him no with every idea that came out of his every any idea that came out of his head. Yeah. Kind of like how Lucas got with the prequels where it's like I'm going to bring in this producer and this producer is normally supposed to kind of rein in the director when they go overboard mm-hmm. and it feels like he brought in his right. buddies that aren't going to tell him to do shit. Yeah. It's maybe I I do you, never You I, really want her to have orange hair? Yes, I do. <laughs> we kind of skipped over the plot if anybody doesn't know the plot of Go look it up. Yeah. It's it's really simple. <laughs> it's Die Hard in Space. <laughs> die Hard, die hard space. with a Vengeance in Space. But the MacGuffin no. is this these four stones. Yes, that we don't know initially where they are and then when we find out who has them and then it's how where are they when <laughs> i have them in a the secret place <laughs> does he reach inside her yeah he sure does or no she puts them inside well she herself. well he I, in her she, vag she puts them yeah. in her vag or what you would assume is her vag her space <laughs> her space vag <laughs> <laughs> i mean no she gets shot and so i think she already has i mean well number one we don't know where it is on her because she's right. not human. Correct. So it could be where her stomach is, but that's where he reaches in and pulls out the, you know, the stones are in me, you know, and it's weird. It's look like, weird. <laughs> oh, my third, well, what doesn't yeah, work? My, no, that's okay. My third one was it, it almost gets too funny in the third act, like laying on the comedy a little too thick and it almost loses its grip on what little story there is. You know, it yeah, just yeah. gets a little too. It's like okay, we've 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 slogged through the first and second act. It's like let's turn on the f-ing explosion machine. <laughs> no, I'm sure you read 
Did you know that that was one of the biggest explosions they ever had on set? The it took, indoors, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and it took them 25, 20 to 25 minutes to put that fire out. Yeah, I thought that was cool. That's insane. Pra- the practical effects, I love that yeah. kind of stuff. Who's the, uh, Ray, Ray, give me the gun. Huh? The deaf guy? Oh. And then he throws him, what, a couple billiard balls or fruit or something? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like the rolls like Thanks, Ray. Something. Is That's he supposed it. to be somebody? He well, when they walk through before everything happens, before the performance, yeah. he's like some recording artist who's gone deaf. So that's 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 the all. I don't think that it's. An- I don't think it's an artist that anybody knows. Yeah. I've always and if it was supposed to be, no one got it. Yeah, it was something that made me think. I was talking to Lisa the other day, and we were thinking of different multi answers, and I was like, "Hey." Hey Lilu, what uh, what helps you all make you all big and strong and makes your hair all orange and and makes you so fit? <laughs> Lilu Dallas multivitamin. Skill out to after multivitamin. Chicken. Big bada boom. Yes, yes, bada yes, boom. Yes, bada big boom. Uh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh no! I mean, now <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman plays Zorg as a cross between then presidential candidate Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. That's <laughs> what I had listed down here. I wasn't my. I wish I had thought that's what it was. That's what he was doing. I thought it was always like like Poor South, God. but it was it was Ross Perot, which is. Which is Texan. basically, which is yeah. basically George W. Bush, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's that, that's some weird. Some what? Weird. So he he was he worked with Besson on the professional. Mm-hmm. Besson or Besson? Bes- I'm American. I'm gonna say, I say Besson. Well, then it's Besson. I'm gonna apparently. call you Luke Besson, son. Um, Besson, listen to me. They they'd worked earlier on the, the professional. Yes. So they're kind of friends. Well, they're kind of friends, but the information that I had listed down here is that apparently he, uh, Luc Besson, 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 uh, he, uh, he like co-financed an independent film that Gary Oldman was doing. So this was a favor that he did back going, all right, I'll be in your next movie because I don't think – I wrote down here. So I don't think he enjoys it. Gary Oldman's such a good friend. He financed the film. Asked in 2014 when he was interviewed if he liked the film. Oldman said, oh, no, I can't bear it. (laughs) It was me singing for my supper because Luke had come in and partly financed my film. (laughs) I can't bear it. What? That is funny. Uh, No, what I found amusing was is that the flying traffic uh, created by visual effects team at Digital Domain allowed artists to create personalized license plates. Though never visible in the film, the state slogan printed on license plates read, New York, the fuck you state. (laughs) (laughs) It was post 9-11. It it was pre-9-11. Well, well, the future is post. Oh, I never even put it down that way. The post pre-9-11 movie. (laughs) Wait, what? It was post nine eleven. So is that saw right into the future? Are you in? Are you in trivia right now? Uh, yeah. Cool. What else you got? Uh, at the time, it was the most expensive film ever produced outside of Hollywood. The special effects alone cost eighty million dollars. Jeez. Care to wonder what the entire budget of the film was? 
So the special effects alone were eighty million. I'm gonna say one hundred and sixty million. No, ninety three. I did. I didn't understand that either. I'm like that math doesn't line up right because you would think that Bruce is probably pulling in twenty million for this role, but he may have gotten more money on the back end. Sure. Which I bet he didn't. <laughs> he didn't get as much as he nobody, thought he was going to. Nobody mentioned this at his roast the other night. Yeah, Mila's hair had to be dyed orange so many times that eventually her hair basically broke. Uh. And so there are scenes where it kind of looks weird. If it looks weird, she's wearing a wig. Okay. I think one of them is. Be honest with you, I'm not. I'm not looking at her wig. I'm not looking at her hair. Didn't even know she had hair in this movie. <laughs> You're looking at the bandages. <laughs> yes. The strappies. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mondo Shawin. Those were the robot monk things. Oh. They okay. they built the Mondo Shawin costumes before they had cast anyone to fit inside them. So then they had to have like an open casting call for people who were at least six foot nine. And it took three people together in unison, along with the person that's getting it on them, 20 minutes to get one person inside that costume. That's crazy. For throwaway scene, yeah, but it's well, a I mean, it's scene. like you see them walk in kind of weird once towards the beginning because they have to take the stones mm-hmm. and the the fifth element or the holy one or yeah. the righteous one or whatever. Whatever it was. And then you see them once more in the ship before they all get obliterated. Then all that's left is a hand. Yeah. <laughs> so you're to believe that Lilu is in one of those big suits. I don't think so. I think she was in that. Wasn't she? Oh, she was in sarcophagus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. She was the mummy. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because she did have bandages on. <laughs> just not a lot. Just not. <laughs> just enough. One sexy mummy. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's a better one. Um, do you have a favorite line or piece of dialogue? Um, let me look. I do have written down here in my just offhand notes in a slightly in a slightly parallel universe. Debo and Smokey are the president and a transvestite radio host. Let's <laughs> pass. <laughs> favorite line or scene? I think it's. I think I mentioned it earlier. I think it's the. Uh, it's probably the. Uh, 3D printing scene. Um, nope, here it is. Um, not is it a line or is it a scene, scene or is it kind of grouped together? Uh, it's multipass. Little Dallas multipass. I say multipass all the time. We do it at our house as well. Um, <laughs> my favorite line that was just almost throwaway was when he first walks up. He's carrying Lilu. She's, I think, passed out at that time. Shows up at um, the priest's house for the first time. Cornelius. A, Cornelius. Uh, <laughs> And he goes, weddings are one floor down. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a throwaway line, but it's so funny that it's, it's just it's like... kind of devil may care. That's yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Now, I got some interesting one One more bits to cover here. And then, number one, it makes sense here. Uh, two more things. It's like Luke Besson wrote the original screenplay when he was in high school. So that makes a lot of sense okay. now. Because... Didn't think to try to update well, that for a... I guess not. Yeah, clearly not. So, uh, possible casting changes. Ooh. So, there was only one other option for Corbin Dallas. Uh, 97. It's not going to be who you probably think. I can't really. Not American. Jason Statham? No. I don't think he was relevant yet. He Just starting to like. He started to in England, so I don't know. uh, Jean Renault. The guy who was in The Professional. Oh, the guy that played Leon? Yeah. The guy that was in The Professional. You know, The Professional? <laughs> yeah, Leon. I think that was probably before he realized, hey, I need someone. Nobody gives a shit about French actors in America. Exactly. 
That's exactly what he was thinking. Okay, so for Ruby Rod. I know this one. You know this one? How many do you know? Uh, Just Prince. Just Prince? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were two other ones. Jamie Foxx. Weird. Apparently, he he specifically was wanting someone of color in that role, number one, because that's all of the options for Ruby Rod. And the other one, Lenny Kravitz. Huh. That would have been weird. That would have, but all he's, of them would have been weird. All of them. The only person that could play that is Chris Tucker, because he just played it. <laughs> it his, his weird little whatever he brings to it makes it. Because you want to slap the shit out of him. I don't think you'd want to slap the shit out of Lenny Kravitz. He's got the great girl scream down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Lenny would have played it really cool. I don't think Lenny Kravitz, what do I know about his acting? But He's been in some stuff that I've seen, but he wouldn't. It seems way out of yeah. It's way le- like way in left field for Prince, something like that. Prince would not lower himself to do that. I don't think no. And Jamie Fox could have been okay. I could see why they chose Prince because of his gender bending yes style. And Jamie Fox did that one character where he he wasn't afraid to dress in drag and look look crazy. Uh, Wanda from In Living Color. Oh yes, I think is maybe probably he was watching Living Color and went that could be that would be odd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think. I think Chris Tucker plays it great. Uh, lastly, for Lilu, I have two. Okay. Julia Roberts. Mm. She to... was popular, though. She's big name. And so I can understand why the initial thought of we need big <sighs> name, attractive female, but I could not see her playing I that. Just, I just played the movie in my head with her as Lilu, and I, that was... it really sucked. God. It sucked more than... <laughs> yes. It really, really sucked. It made it, made it worse. You thought that was bad? Hold on. Are you ready to play another movie in your head? Okay. Elizabeth Berkley. <laughs> From uh, Showgirls and uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> That's terrible, too. Uh, but after Showgirls bombed, no one wanted the risk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should have picked someone who could act, too. At least Julia Roberts can act. Uh, yeah. Jesse Spano, not so Not much. so much. Okay. Um, another one of my favorite scenes is how they um, played the uh, the divas rap opera against the fight scene with uh, Lilu. Oh I yes, that was a good way to cut jump of, back and forth. Yeah, yeah I thought yes. that was cool. Ooh, ooh, and then at the end of that, when Lilu does the upward somersault, and then she's in the in the air duct, and how, that's diehard. How funny would it be to make a supercut of the two of them like side by side in the air duct, <laughs> maybe <laughs> having a conversation or something. Come, Come out, out to, to the coast. coast. We'll get together. together. Have a few laughs. Help. Or whatever she says. <laughs> Multi-pass. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Uh, you have fun with that. So those are your favorite lines, favorite scene. I believe. Do you have any more before I go? Because I have one. I technically have two, but I'm really only going to stick with one because the other one's going to be a little too long. It's going to be long-winded. It's long. It's the. This is the reason why I think they wanted to cast Bruce Willis in the film. You in charge? Yeah. How many of them are out there? I don't know. Seven on the left, five on the right. Four on the right. Two on the left. We need to find the leader. Mangalores won't fight without the leader. Watch out. We'll start killing hostages. That's the leader. Send someone to negotiate. I, 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 I've never negotiated.
negotiated. I... You mind if I try? No, no, sure, sure, sure. We're sending somebody in to negotiate. Anybody else want to negotiate? Where did he learn to negotiate like that? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, diehard in space. Well, yeah. But a little, he's a little more in control than John McClane. Well, you also notice that the Mangalores, like even with their their the sound of their voice, mm-hmm. they still speak in a French accent. <laughs> no, if you listen to it again, you'll hear it. Yeah, I want to I want to look for that in another ten years or so the next time I watch this movie. <laughs> um. All right, we come to the point where if we were going to recast. Who would you recast? I I plugged in four names for four roles. Now, okay, I did. sometimes these are harder than than others. Um, I dug around a little bit. You go first. All right, do all yours first. Corbin Dallas, played by Jeremy Renner. Okay, I could kind of see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm it's it's different, but he can play. It's not an aha, right? But, it's yeah. not a perfect match, but it's similar. Uh, Lilu, uh, I was trying to go with another kind of bombshelly like individual. Mm-hmm. I went with Margot Robbie. Ooh, okay. I, I can definitely see of... her much more than I could see uh, Julie Roberts. Oh yeah, yeah. Because by I mean nothing, nothing against nothing against Julie Roberts, but by by ninety seven, I, I I just assumed the Lilu character was, was supposed to kind of be a script flip mm-hmm. and be instead of a, a, a middle aged man. You know, it was a, a a young woman, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, even back then. But by '97, Julia Roberts was sort of—I'm I'm not saying she's old. I'm not trying no, to make a but joke she's about definitely it. established. She's, she's yeah. not. She's big name for the most part, and that's yeah, yeah. not not. It should be more unknown, not actiony. Okay, yeah. Zorg. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think of this one, Ewan McGregor. Huh. I don't know. I was like, you don't usually see him in evil or dark roles. No, that's. I'm just trying to. Yeah, I can't. Be, I, he's, uh, yeah. I can't. I can't make him not be Obi Wan and be evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, that's cool. I like yeah. that. All right, and then for Ruby Rod Prince, circa 1989, <laughs> <laughs> Bat Dance Prince. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because I really couldn't think of someone else to fill those shoes specifically. I think the other inspiration for that was possibly Michael Jackson. I remember reading something, and I was like, no, we don't need Captain EO <laughs> in, in that role. But... Back me up real quick. Did you ever see Captain EO? Uh-huh. There's a character named Hooter. Is he not the blue elephant from Jabba's? If not, he's very similar. Okay, the because, the because that was all done by... ILM. George Lucas yeah, yeah. and ILM. So that okay. That was one of the only true things that I remember seeing in 3D that was phenomenal. I've never seen it. I just remember seeing like clips of it. Yeah. Um, for Corbin Dallas, Corbin Dallas multipass, I chose Hugh Jackman. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, he could probably still pull it off. He now. could probably still pull it off, but maybe 10 years, Ten ago, years ago, he definitely... Full on Wolverine, Hugh yeah. Jackman, yeah. For Lilu, I would uh, Roseanne. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Who is the you chick? Need, need a lot more uh, bandages <laughs> in that one. You need a lot more chicken too. <laughs> you need a lot more chicken. Who was the chick in a that movie? Uh, movie Nymphomaniac. Who's the guy that's doing the house that Jack built? 
he's the fucked up director. The chick that was in Nymphomaniac would be good. Very svelte and whips ass in that movie. Charlotte Gainsbourg. I need to see what she looks like. Um, or Zoe Zeldana. I think she could do it. Yeah. Um, it's just they're just similar, you know. She's green. She is green. And she's still hot, <laughs> even um, when she's green. She Yeah. She could do a radio play and be hot. Yeah. Uh, I could for, totally see that. For uh, Totally. For Zorg, I would do Steve Buscemi. <laughs> okay. I'm not fucking around, Jerry. <laughs> that Steve Buscemi. That character. For sure in the fucking face. Not one or two or three, but four. Four stones. <laughs> look at this. No stones. No, look, no crates. No. <laughs> he's got to play it. He would have like to play it with this. We shot in the face yeah. for the entire. Yeah, yeah. that works. Because then you just move the, the weird uh, headpiece down farther. Mm-hmm. One thing cheek. I did like was when the ball of evil mm-hmm. calls him on the phone for some Apparently Vin Diesel did the voice of the I did ball know- of evil. evil. Um, I had no idea. He did the voice of the uh, Iron Giant? No. The, he uh, did. He did, but, but the, the taxi driver repair guy that Bruce Willis calls. Oh. So I think he did double duty on that. Um, but when he called it, that's a really cool scene when he's calling him and Zork's trying to hold his composure, but you see him start to tremble mm-hmm. and that tar shit goes down his forehead. <laughs> I don't know why, but when you said tar shit, I almost spit all over everything. Yeah, that, I, I, would, I, would, I would have been included in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to hold that one. That was a literal spit take. Uh, if they're like, you want to see a movie that's like or similar to Gar- uh, to um, uh, Element? Yeah, that movie we're talking about right now. The Fünfte Element. Yeah, the Fünfte Element. Um, what what would you compare, or what would you recommend that's that's similar? I have two. Oh, I only have one. Um, a better or equal film of sort of sort of a spoof of sci-fi. Okay, we I think we can agree the Fifth Element is sort of a not a spoof yeah. of sci-fi, but it's the happy. Future. It's not it's not hard sci-fi. No. Um. So I chose either Spaceballs <laughs> to be a little. All you, right. If you want to go a little yeah. less story, more little, more spoof, more spoof. Um, if you want to be a little more serious about it, but still keep the humor, um, the original 1982 miniseries Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, all right. The, the, the 2005 movie would be okay. Yeah. Similar. They're similar in uh, visual tone. Um, but you get it better in the in your mind if you just listen to the radio drama. No, no. Oh, it, no. It that's a, right. You didn't say. Yeah, you did say the miniseries. It was a TV show. And we also they also did a radio it, drama of it, it was too. A was bo- that book? Book the radio first. Drama. Then they did the ra- the TV. Right. And then. The 05 movie. Yeah. The 05 movie looks more similar to The Fifth Element for obvious reasons mm-hmm. and a bigger budget. Um, but with, you know, with Hitchhikers, you get a, a way better story. Okay. Those, those are what I would... Uh, more seriously, I would recommend Hitchhiker's Guide. Right. Those would be those would be mine. What, what are yours? Mine is one. And I almost said it when I was asking for the recommendations. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Okay. It has, it has a great... It has a better cast... Um, sure, <laughs> it, it's got a, it's got that smart ass lead protagonist, and it's got really good visuals. Sure, but I mean, what I've seen be, from the, I've not seen it. What I've seen from the previews. And yeah, but I mean, I, I would prefer, and I would put in Guardians of the Galaxy almost every time over Fifth Element. Gee, why? Because uh, it's better. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate this movie, but no, it's I just, don't hate this movie at all. But it's it was a while since I'd seen it, and it was just like mm. I don't have much else yeah. uh, in the way of. Final thoughts, if you're ready for that. Oh, I am um, so ready for that. <laughs> the Fifth Element's sort of a snapshot of late 90s cinema. It's all 
flair, not a lot of substance, a lot of hip hop beat mm-hmm. stuff, a lot of bright colors. In uh, all style. I, I get that it was a fun Very off. little substance. Very little substance, yeah. That's actually what I had here. So much color, so little substance. And I get that it was supposed to be a fun romp and a send-up of, of the action genre. And it's it's sort of a Saturday morning version of Die Hard. We've said it several times. It's Die Hard in space. Yeah. Which it's okay um, to be that. Yeah. Um, and Bruce Willis, in my opinion, both makes and breaks this movie. He's just, as we said it earlier. He ha- there is a lot of him yelling in that movie. Yeah. Of diving, shooting, you know, screaming, yelling. We we kind of said there's something missing from the movie. I, I that's what I finished off with here. There's just not there's not quite enough to hang on to. Mm-hmm. So watching it every ten or twenty years for me is, is plenty. Yeah, that's all I have to say about their uh, fifth element. There, <laughs> I put down here like the fifth element is a, is a, is eccentric. It's a teenager's visionary wet dream because <laughs> it really is. Yeah, uh, it's ambitious in the effort that. It's an ambitious effort, but they probably could have been a little more impacting and, and profound if the story had been more structured and disciplined rather than really focusing on the visuals, <clears throat> along with, uh, in my opinion, a heavy dose of editing. I think that they that could have, been have my trimmed one, that down. That would have been my one change. Cut it. <laughs> cut, it. cut it. Cut it into two movies. That would have been cool. Or make it a miniseries. Go with something more else. In this day and age, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and we already addressed this before. It, it's the same comparison to George Lucas doing the prequels. It feels like I think Luke Besson honestly got in the way of his own film. Sure. And so where no one wanted to rein him in, and because of it, the film suffers to the point of ever really being a true classic. You know, how will this film look in another 20 years? Possibly laughable, but the jury is still out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to look up some trivia for Die Hard. <laughs> In the meantime, you get to listen to this trailer. We thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. But a team of terrorists. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McLean. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? You really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... And you'll have it. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Good papa, honey. New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? Good job. They're using artillery on us. You appear to It's not the police. It's him. <laughs> he's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. Man, I feel like dancing and drinking and yippee-ki-yaying <laughs> all over the place. Just as long as I don't have to clean it up. Oh, yeah, I'm not cleaning it up. Yes, kids, it's Die Hard. Nathan, hey. what are you drinking? <clears throat> Heavy Bud. Budweiser. When you say Budweiser.
You're fucking right, buddy. <laughs> American fight action movie, American fight action beer. <laughs> no longer owned by Americans. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be, because to be honest with you, I'm... I haven't had Bud Heavy in a minute. I, I haven't had Bud Heavy ever, purposefully, ever? yeah. Ever in your life? Yeah. What? Yeah, you're seeing me consume it like a Bud Virgin Whoa. right there. Bud Light, yes, but like heavy Bud. I don't really taste the difference between the two, to be honest, so. Um, Die Hard, real quick. The plot of Die Hard, it's, um, it's the fifth it's element not, on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Infinitely better. It's um, the first element. And they're not terrorists. Who said we were terrorists? Yet I always call them terrorists regardless. The trailer misled you to begin with because yeah. they said they were terrorists. Well, they do terroristic stuff. Who said we were terrorists? Uh, real quick, up top, Bruce Willis had the roast last week. And he said it wasn't a Christmas movie? Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. He just gets to be Although in it. He doesn't get to dictate what I, I get watch why he says... Because it's a Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis movie. <laughs> but no, it's a Christmas movie in our house as well. And it honestly felt weird personally watching it in July, even though that's when it came out 30 years ago. Yeah, it's weird when they release a movie that well, of course, it, it has it, Christmas themes and, and, and in the other, summer. Other than Christmas, yeah. And yeah. It takes place in California, so it doesn't really feel like Christmas anyway. But yeah. yeah, that's me. That's our house. And then I think it's your house as well. Mm-hmm. I think this last Christmas I fell asleep halfway through because we watched it late at night and I never ended up finishing it. I started like writing some notes because I knew we were covering this later. Yeah, yeah. Next, the, the following year. And so I started writing a few notes and then I fell asleep and then didn't get back to it again until a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in July. Yeah, is it, it was. Uh, is it a Christmas Day movie or Christmas Eve movie? Uh, it's usually sometimes played during the month of December. Oh, okay. Because we have several. And so. Way back when, one of my blog posts that I used to do, and this one may actually be on there, but before I changed um, blogs, but I called it. It was my. I kind of had a ritual of doing non-Christmas Christmas movies yeah, because, while well, as much that. as everyone wants to call this a Christmas movie, it's really not a Christmas movie mm -hmm. thematically. But there is always that non-Christmas Christmas movie. It takes place during Christmas time, right, right. like Gremlins or you know stuff like that. Always forget about Gremlins, yeah. You know, and that is most definitely a a Christmassy type movie. But it's really a non-Christmas Christmas movie. So I really, I think, only saw this one, the original Die Hard, for the first time maybe ten years ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't okay. really remember. It's not been long. I, I didn't see. I did not see it upon theatrical release. I was not old enough, and this is definitely in yeah, the yeah. category of what my parents would say. No, you're not going to go see that. But when it came out, I so I remember watching like a behind the scenes five minute bit maybe on the news. Yeah. I really, really wanted to see this movie. I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance first. I'm sorry. And like, I mean, I'm not blaming Die Hard with the Vengeance. I, that's the only other Die no, Hard that make carries really... the name Die Hard that I really enjoy watching. I was gonna, it's, it's my favorite. It's not. Really? Yeah. Of with, the Die Hard movies, you like the third? Yeah, of the two Die Hard movies that exist, of I, the like, five, I like the of, third one. <laughs> it goes, of the two, this, this, <laughs> the personal favorite is with a Vengeance. Yeah, I just... Uh, not to get in too much on on with the vengeance, but I'd, I'd seen it first and mm -hmm. I I knew kind of what happened in the first one. Yeah, he survived and was able to make another sequel. <laughs> did Hans Gruber survive? Yeah. He's a did. little shorter now, right? Um, I just thought the story was bigger, which mm -hmm. I, I was cool. 
Well, I love I love them both. Well, I liked it because it finally it removed this dumbass and like they tried to they tried to do too much with the second one to make it. God, that movie is again. terrible. Yeah, you think that one's terrible though? Watch. I've seen like, them once. Yes. Well, it. Let's just say that like the latest Die Hard, which I wish I'd never seen and want my time back of seeing after watching that one, it makes Die Hard Two Die Harder with. <laughs> It makes it look like a modern, like, action masterpiece. I thought you, were gonna, you did say masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. What was the latest one? Don't watch it. <laughs> Don't die hard. A good day to die hard. Die hard enough. Let's keep using die hard in the title. Live free and die hard. That was the f- that was fourth the fourth one. one. That's the one that kind of takes place. I think he's now a federal agent, which is dumb. Yeah. Uh, it, it stars uh, Justin Long. Justin Long. It had moments, but once he got that on that plane, that yeah, plane, that movie was terrible. Yeah, and that one, that one was released PG thirteen. Oh yeah, because even when he does say it once, it gets bl- blurted by the yeah by the gun, which yeah. is stupid. And we're gonna yippee ki yay, motherfucker! I'm not gonna I'm not gonna honk that one. <laughs> I'll be honked the rest, but not this one. <laughs> okay, what's really fun rewatching this one in a different mindset is. And playing just enough video games, this one kind of starts out like you're playing a more modern video game where you start out with, like, a handgun. Oh, yeah. And no shoes. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's a cool... Yeah, because he, he kind of levels up or upgrades his weapons throughout yeah. the movie until it gets to the end. And then he's set with two rounds left <laughs> that he's got to tape to his back. That's so cool, though. <laughs> well, look, there's Christmas tape right there. People have been wrapping gifts. Oh, I'm yeah. going to tape it because it's my back. Right. Uh, as far as the pacing goes, this Die Hard really kind of sets the tone for like a postmodern action. Yeah, Die Hard yeah. and Le- Die Hard and Lethal Weapon kind of. Oh yeah, and they that's wrote... a, another non-Christmas Christmas movie. Is it takes place at Christmas? Yeah, I've seen. I saw Lethal Weapon part. I part of Lethal Weapon once when it first came out on VHS. My mom rented it. I've never really seen it. It's worth it. At yeah. least the first the two. First, are, the first, first, one. first one, even the second one is pretty good, too. Um, but the, the pacing in this is today's standard. It's By today's standard, it's probably a little oh, slow. Today's standard, it's slow. This one just does, it's just slow but build. It never it never plateaus. It's no. a slow, straight up climb. Yeah, um, like an elevator or an escalator or an elevator shaft. Yeah, that was my first impression. I, I, it's second. It's my second favorite to Die Hard with a Vengeance. I, I like that they gave him a buddy. And with the vengeance, it was a nice dynamic. Well, they had to have someone else to say the F word other than <laughs> yeah, McClane. yeah. Mike, well, who says it well? Well, I know this guy, <laughs> and they His were in a movie together. They were in a popular movie last year called Pulp Fiction. Let's bring them together. Let's try to capitalize. Well, on and McTiernan is the only one who's directed two, and he did that one as well. And he the did only with, reason he did why, the yeah, he okay. he didn't want to do the second one because he didn't want to repeat himself. Um, Would you change? What doesn't work? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, let me let me give you what did I write down here with what doesn't work. Um, it moves like a Swiss watch with impeccable timing. Even after thirty years, there's really nothing wrong with this film. The only thing I could maybe think of, and I was grasping, was that it's kind of dated by happening in the eighties. It's the, the late eighties. Always the, the, shows the, the a little more style. the hair. Yeah. Other than that, it's, it's the Vidal it's, Sassoon yeah. terrorists. There's nothing wrong with it. What I really like about this movie is that there's nothing easy for for McLean to do in this movie. He has to work for everything. He earns mm-hmm. everything that he does. 
And so it's like against insurmountable odds, the police force outside of the building trying to save the hostages. And the best part about it is that when you feel him earning it with you, you feel him earning it with his blood, with his sweat, you know, and even the end when he cries, when he finally can get back when he saves his wife, mm-hmm. it's just he earns this. He earns the movie. You know, yeah. he earns the audiences believing while a lot of the stunts are kind of outlandish. It doesn't feel completely impossible no, with anything he's, that happens. Because John is a sympathetic, right. realistic, grounded character. Just he's this, flawed, but oh, horribly. <laughs> but, <laughs> he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But he's in this uh, extraordinary circumstance. He's a relatively ordinary person in an extraordinary circumstance. Right. And you, you kind of follow that struggle with him. Or you, you're, at least I do. It, it, that suspension of disbelief and all that. You're, you go into the elevator with him, and you know, you're when he's all by himself in the right. bathroom or the boardroom well, or whatever. You're there with him. You well, feel you're that. there with him. He's. This is one of the few roles in the few movies where you have the main protagonist talking to himself, mm. and it doesn't feel stupid. He's good if, at that. He feels like. If you were in the same situation, but you may be having that dialogue in your head, mm-hmm. he says it out loud. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel fake. It feels real. So any expositional dialogue you need to get out or, or anything you need to express that's going on in his head, he says it yep. and you believe it and it doesn't feel like, well, that's dumb. They could have just showed it this way instead. No, I, Yeah, I, I agree. And it's and that's unique for most for most movies for most action movies for most characters you don't get that you don't get the thought bubble spoken out loud (laughs) you know yeah what if you could if you had a magic wand what one change would you make Um, did i (laughs) mine is great uh i said that if you could make one change i said if this film is is one of only like of a handful of movies where there's just a couple of long shots or master shots where you can tell they're using a stunt double i don't you don't pay attention I to that i truly don't pay pay attention to it in this personally it's like when you see like tony slide down the stairs with his arms the wig is like it's totally not him it's somebody else or when mclean and carl are fighting you can tell on some long shots that's not bruce willis and it kind of rings for me. It rings that same zone of like when if you've seen Jurassic Park enough times, when you see Ellie run and jump when she's trying to escape and get out wherever the ra- the raptors are, mm-hmm. and you see her, <laughs> you can totally tell it's a guy with this blonde wig on. I have to go back you and know? watch that now because it's just the back. You just see the shot of her back, but it's just she's very, limping. Uh, I don't even think she's limping yet, but she's just that that flat out run into where she's got to power everything up. And it's just not, it's not uh Laura Dern. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. 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 <laughs> just because I wouldn't change anything in this movie. I really wouldn't either. Follow me here. Okay. What if the events of the movie Die Hard were a dream in the head of Bruce Willis's character, Ernest and death becomes her. <laughs> right his, before he dies, his somewhere <laughs> in his shit life, okay. his life with what's her name, Meryl Streep's character is so shit. <laughs> he gets all boozed up one night and dreams this. No, okay, it's no, been. I, a long wouldn't, time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. It's been a long time since I've watched uh, Death Becomes Her, but that would be kind of funny if played on the fan fiction kind of zone. <laughs> I've been doing that this season, not not necessarily intentionally, but if it 
If the spark hits you. Yeah, if it plays, yeah. if it's kind of fun. Uh, when you see Ellis go, mold wine, nice age brie, and a roaring fire, I'm like, apparently this was Ellis's first Christmas in Southern California because it never gets cold enough to justify being in a house with a roaring fire <laughs> in a fireplace. We had a wood-burning fireplace at our house, which seemed odd with where we lived. And, and you, lived but, in, you lived in Woodier, right? Yeah, Woodier. <laughs> but where we lived, it did not, in my opinion, ever get cold enough to justify that, sure. turning on, the, you know, lighting the fireplace. And so the only time that we ever had it done was during Christmas, and it was more of a just ambiance than like we need the warmth because oh, we're sure. freezing sure out here in ventura california it's just not it's not it's not happening how old do you think argyle was in this film he looked like he was 18 i was gonna say he looked like he was about 13 okay <laughs> i was being nice <laughs> you are not old enough to drive that car <laughs> let alone have your chauffeur's well, license I, he just seemed awfully young to have been a cab driver first and then to transition into a limo driver <laughs> That, oh, yeah, I used to drive a cab, and they expect a little chit-chat. I'm like, have you graduated high school yet? How old was he? I don't know. I actually didn't look up. No, but, I mean, seriously, there was just a rhetorical question of how old do you think he is? Because he does not seem like he's old enough to justify driving a a limo. Peach fuzz mustache he's got? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's... (laughs) <laughs> He's a fun character, but it's like, what? yeah, he just sits in the basement for what? Oh, yeah. I mean, do you honestly hours? think in 1988 that his the cellular phone that was connected to that car would have gotten any type of signal down in the parking garage underneath the building and all of the structural concrete? <laughs> you think he didn't get instant brain cancer? From you got the it? number. Use it. <laughs> if there's if there's a one character that you hate, who is it? Ellis. I, well, he dies quickly. Yeah, the problem is, is there's a character that doesn't die at all throughout the entire film that I hate, and that would be Theo. He's like that frat guy. Who's Theo? He's the hacker. He's the one that's in. Oh, the Top Gun from Top Gun. Uh, yes, Top yeah. Gun and Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> oh, he plays Trevette. Oh yeah. He's the one guy who makes like the smart-ass him. comments to himself that no one likes. I like his character. Really? Yeah. And he's, he's such a douche. He, he is a douche, but he's he so, doesn't deserve to do die. Do you think it's weird that they cast Huey Lewis in the movie? <laughs> I think that every time. I do, too. Wow, Huey Lewis got jacked yeah. for this non-speaking role. <laughs> he lasted the entire movie until the end and gets shot in the head. That's not really Huey Lewis, is it? No, okay. it's not. But, man, they got someone that sure looked like Huey Lewis. Man. Uh, do you think? Uh, oh, sorry, do you think when McLean makes fists with his toes right before the terrorists start shooting up the thirtieth floor, that he thought the guy on the plane was either full of crap, or that he it was actually working for him? Because that's why his shoes are off. It's obviously a plot device. But when he's like there, he's like son of a bitch, and he kind of he kind of smirks. I think it works. That's what I was thinking too. But initially, what was he doing before I, he's nervous. Yeah, because they were on the plane. And obviously oh, he's nervous yeah. and he's obviously creating a bunch of drama now. He just started a huge argument with his wife that he's separated with across the country. What was what was the line about the name? He's like, well, you didn't, didn't want to uh, see you forgot my name or whatever it was that he says. It's just like, it's a Japanese company. They're very formal. You know, when she's when he goes to look up. Holly McLean and it's not Holly McLean and he has to pull up Gennaro. He gets so pissed and immediately just like, I haven't seen you in six months, but guess what? We're we're starting to fight right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> one of the first things when I started writing, this was the one bit of notes that I took that I specifically kept from like eight months ago. I'm like, what European terrorist do you know that comes dressed in sweatpants and a sweatshirt? <laughs> he's he's not there. Dude, to I'm like, I'm all for practical and comfortable, but seriously, <laughs> of, of course, he's the first to die because what said we said business casual, Tony, not deadbeat dad. <laughs> we oh, need, you got to do a better name than Tony. Well, his name is Tony in the in is the it? film. What yeah, German, that, what German terrorist is named Tony? Uh, he may not. He they're European. They're not all. Maybe they're not all German. I know. Although Carl's German, so he's gonna be the same. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Germany, they don't the terrorist the German translation. Uh huh. Um, the the what are they? Oh, exceptional thieves. Yes, they're they're European. They're not German. Interested in the six hundred million dollars in negotiable bear bonds. And what kind of terrorists are you? <laughs> who said we were terrorists? Did you know the guy who plays Tony, who's German and has an Italian name? Did you know he actually plays Necros in The Living Daylights? He's the he's the blonde uh, henchman. Man, I haven't seen that in so long. Since we watched it last. I, you, a, you and I watched yeah, it here. Here. Like that was before the creation of this podcast. This was That was probably four years ago. Yeah. Three or four. Yeah. But I didn't realize that. I looked that up. I'm like, oh, he kind of looks familiar. What else have I seen him in? And the next credit outside of Die Hard was The Living Daylights, and it clicked just and like that. Then yeah. he stopped making movies? Uh, movies that we watched, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> and no. I'm not reading this straight from IMDb Please tell me. Um, what trivia do you want to lay upon? So this, it's, it's, based on a, it's based on a book that I own and haven't read yet <laughs> well that's alright if I had owned it I probably hadn't read it yet either. it's called Nothing Lasts Forever right I'm curious I'm, 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 it's on my list I've got a couple things to knock out first and I'm going to read it uh, but it was I forget when it was written but immediately it had the rights to be a film mm-hmm. and you know who owned those rights uh, I don't know who owned the rights but I know who was initially set to play the character until he had to step out who was that Frank Sinatra Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Was there somebody else oh, before that? Clint or after? Clint Eastwood owned the rights. No way. Yeah, I had no idea. That could have been. Well, Clint Eastwood would not have been jumping down an elevator. No, but he could. Like <laughs> he I... could have pulled off. But he'd already been doing by '88. He'd done like f- at least four or all Dirty Harry movies by then. The last one came out in 1990. That was Deadpool. So, but him directing this could have been cool. It would have been because there's a lot. It of... would have been considerably slower. Oh, for sure. For He's... sure. It would have been an interesting take. But it would have been more... I guess that might be my magic wand. That'd be kind of cool. Bring in, the bring Eastwood, in Clint Eastwood? The directorial. Uh, it would have been more relationship-driven. Not like man-woman necessarily, but right. intrapersonal. Okay. More, a little more cerebral. Okay. The action would have been more subtle. The This is the uh, American film debut of Alan Rickman. Rest, yes, I remember. Well, I remember hearing about that a while ago, and it just seemed so odd that that was his first role. I mean, it wasn't like a just you know tertiary character. in, yeah. in some comes in film. and instantly I mean, one he of just, like the he owns it. Yeah, it's, and he's, goes he's so great. Yeah, he's yeah his first his first turn on an American film, and he's like instantly an iconic bad guy. That's mm-hmm. I mean, I think we both had him in our top five or pick six or whatever it was. That yeah, we yeah, did yeah. too. We both yeah. had Hans Gruber in some. Shape, he, uh, I mean, and he'll always be there. Yeah. The the first scene where he and John meet where he is uh, Clay. Bill. Uh, Bill Clay. Clay. They did that for a couple reasons. Uh, it was ad-libbed. 
Okay, and now that that's awesome. It I feels, have no it idea. Makes it way more fun now. Yeah, huh? absolutely. Because they both have that. I don't fucking trust you. Yeah, I don't fucking trust you. I either. don't trust you, and I don't trust you. But you don't know how much you don't. I, what I love about this scene is you don't know how much McLean doesn't trust him. Yeah. Because once he <laughs> like hands him a gun, I'm like, what are you doing? Like the first time I'm watching this, I'm like, this is insane. Are you <laughs> stupid? It's not loaded, right? Yo, no, it's not loaded because he pulls the trigger. It's like, I think I'd give you a loaded gun. <laughs> you know. And they did that scene. They just kind of created the idea to do the scene mm-hmm. um, because they found out he could really mimic uh, an American accent, Clay, really well. Bill. Which I think it feels forced, but I think he's I think he's making it feel a little no, forced. I, I think he's making it feel forced for the fact that he's down there and is why in the hell are you supposed to be yeah. down there? Well, um, now I got to play the American. I love it though. Clay, the Bill the, the sweet Clay. little touch of that is McLean looks up and he sees hey, William, William Clay. Clay. Yeah, so yeah, the, I love uh, it. it's awesome. <laughs> the movie's iconic line "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker!" almost came out differently, according to various interviews and commentaries. Yes, y'all, I'm sorry. This is the only time I'm going to read this straight from a website. I dropped the ball. Anyway, uh, McTiernan thought the line should be "Yippee ki yay," which I think was the actual lyrics of the song. That would be weird. But Bruce Willis argued that it was Yippie Kaye. Apparently, they tried both versions to see which one. One sounded better. <laughs> and Yippie Kaye. They went, won. I mean, they're both hard consonants, but k- works so much better than Yippie Kaye. Yeah, they're just <laughs> what am more I partial to Roy Rogers. <laughs> one of my favorite lines is when uh, Carl Winslow <laughs> from Family Matters, which I'll get Before to. Before he transplants himself to Chicago. I will get to that fan theory in a minute. Okay. Uh, Please do. He's driving around. The uh, the bottom when <laughs> the first like, silent alarm goes off uh-huh. after John maybe it's after John throws the chair I can't remember but he goes who's driving that car Stevie Wonder yes <laughs> Argyle's downstairs listening to uh, Stevie Wonder yeah yeah Sam Neill originally turned down the role of Hans Gruber he could have been good yeah that would have been a little different I don't think it would have been as charismatic oh he would have no. he, he would have played it definitely darker toned, de- darker and uh, toned down quite a bit yeah this is the longest of the Die Hard movies. Is it really? Yeah. I wouldn't think so because it I figured it, the third one was the longest. I would too. But they both. Although the, uh, the last two just play long because they're they horrible, horrible. And you're waiting for them to be done and over with. Each scene, uh, each film in the Die Hard series contains a key scene involving an elevator. Each? Each one. Really? Yep. Uh, okay. Oh, I know the key scene in Die Hard with a Vengeance is when he recognizes the badge and he knows the badge number of the police officer oh, yeah. that is not who is there. And then there's that shootout that's in the elevator. It's actually quite intense and quite intense scene. In Die Hard with the Vengeance? Yeah, yeah that one. It's yeah. a great scene. He sees it in the reflection. It's kind of, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I never I, thought about that until now. I forgot about this. Hans Gruber was the name of one of the adversaries in Our Man Flint. Nope, sorry. I still haven't seen that. What? Oh, man, you, I'm, you're taking that home today. I was going to say, if you have it, I'll take it home. Yeah. Can you guess how many minutes elapse in the movie before the first gunshot mm. is fired? And that's the last. is going to be the last of the trivia. Before the first gunshot is fired. I'll give you plus or minus one minute. 17. 18 minutes. Oh, I win. What did nice. I win? Another beer? You win another drink of beer. When you say bye, You've said it all. Congrats. <laughs> So, okay. Do you have a favorite scene? Do you have a clip? I do. Play a clip and let me look this up cuz this right. is this is this is big. It's worth it's worth all this. All right, let me go to my favorite scene. Stop. 
help this. Dispatch. 8030, go ahead. Yeah, that's a wild goose chase over here at Nakatomi Plaza. Everything here is okay. Over. But nobody has no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Um, when he unloads his like entire clip into the crotch <laughs> of the, of the terrorist, exceptional um, thief, the exceptional thief, um, he apparently did not have, um, protection for his hearing and he's actually partially deaf because of the whole movie, but that's one of the scenes <laughs> that caused it. They, they wanted, that's why he sucks as a musician. They, that must be it. He's tone deaf and deaf. <laughs> Uh, no, apparently the director's choice or the filmmaker's choice was to have louder than normal blanks. Huh. I don't know why, because now it's not, you know, if you ever see like footage that isn't completely finished, I mean, it sounds like cap guns until yeah. they put in the sounds and they wanted really loud like blanks for this film. Why. Yeah, that's weird. And because of that, if you see his face and he's kind of wincing when he's unloading his clip, that's because that's him losing part of his hearing. I remember reading that somewhere. That's interesting. Yeah. And sucks for him all at the same time. Yeah. So while, while we were doing that, I found uh, this crazy fan theory. And can you remember to put a link to it in the thing? I can. Okay. Um, but as Nathan H- posts it, he'll... H T T P. <laughs> Nathan will uh, put the link in the. I'll put it in the notes when we upload the. Uh, the as thing. I remember. So uh, Reginaldville Johnson, he plays the cop. Yes, uh, Al Powell. Um, if you count his his role as the uh, prison guard, Ghostbusters. Is he a prison guard? In Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Mayor wants to talk to you guys. God, I don't remember that. I well, I'll be watching Ghostbusters soon anyway. Um, he wanted <clears> to play <throat> cop about three million times. <laughs> Actually, it says here about a million and three times. Um, the last three were <laughs> Ghostbusters, Die Hard, and then I'm going to play a cop every day for years So in Family Matters. <laughs> the theory goes like this. Okay. okay. In Ghostbusters, he is New York City jail guard, Al Powell. He's standing there. Here's a picture of him. Standing there as Egon talks about the picture of the... Uh, Paranormal activity in Ghostbusters is this Twinkie. Okay. And he reads that it would be a Twinkie approximately 7,000 feet or whatever. It's a big Twinkie. Scares the shit out of him. 
So it's safe to assume that Powell hears at least part of what Egon and, and, and the other Ghostbusters are saying uh, about what's about to go down in New York City. And then Gozer does indeed show up, and that's a hell of a lot of crap to take at work when you're just a low-level, line-level prison guard. Yeah. I guess they're assuming he's just an idiot, I guess, but... He's just an average Joe. Yeah, you don't believe or it till it happens. Al. Yeah, you don't believe it till it happens. <laughs> average Al. <laughs> that's your title. It's <laughs> just your average Al. So, yeah, he hears the... Here's the explanation of what's going on in that lovely Twinkie analogy. Right. Doesn't believe it. Hightails it. Sees what's going on. Holy shit. That begins. That is a state puff. <laughs> state puff marshmallow, man. That, be- that begins his fascination with the Twinkie. Okay. You oh, okay. At the beginning of Die Yeah, Hard, he knows the ingredients. <laughs> Powell moves to L.A. and starts okay. getting a lot of Twinkies. Mm-hmm. I'm jumping right so in. So Powell has a mental breakdown and leaves New York City. The stress of the normal job is high. But a marshmallow man is too much. So he moves to L.A. where that kind of shit never happens. No. He develops a deeply psychological need to devour Twinkies as much as possible, ensuring that they can never grow big enough to threaten mankind again. When we first meet Al in Die Hard, he's buying Twinkies. Not just not just a two-pack like a normal person who hates himself, but as many as he can carry, which he tries to brush off by telling the clerk that it's for his pregnant wife. <laughs> He's not married yet. <laughs> but later in the film, he, d- he demonstrates an encyclopedic knowledge of the ingredients inside a Twinkie when he rattles them off after McLean makes an offhand remark, <laughs> wondering what's in them. This demonstrates Powell is intimately familiar with the Twinkie. <laughs> He's memorized the list of ingredients. How many Twinkies would a man need to eat before he managed to memorize the ingredients down to polysorbate number 60? Uh, further proof, Powell's cameo in Die Hard 2 has him sitting at a desk festooned with Twinkies, as he takes a call from McLean. In his mind, the Twinkie connection and also the obvious junk food connection of New York City being attacked by a junk food mascot <laughs> is the cause of paranormal destruction. He's unconsciously trying to prevent it by eating as many as he can, like I said earlier. This leads to the shooting and subsequent fantasy family. Okay. Powell is so shaken by his experience in New York that he ends up shooting the child in the line of duty, an event that further damages his psyche and gets him put behind a desk. Not only does Powell tell the clerk at the drugs at the store that the Twinkies are for his pregnant wife, he tells the same thing to McLean. Notice uh, Powell's hand, you can see that he is, as he puts money in the charity container, there's no ring on either hand. So he has no wife. Later, when uh, police chief Dwayne T. Robinson is trying to get Powell out of the scene... So the clerk going, yeah, sure, sure, they're for your wife. No <laughs> ring, lying bastard. Powell claims you couldn't even drag him away. Doesn't a man with a wife and a child on the way have more to lose? Wouldn't the deputy <laughs> chief of police know this? The shooting of Carl. So until now, Powell seems to keep it up, uh, keep it all together as well as can be expected, considering the mind <laughs> of circumstances. But the fabric of his reality comes crashing down with a single event set into motion, incidentally by the character played by William Atherton, the actor who played the dickless EPA agent <laughs> responsible for the near destruction of New York City. Oh, who's the reporter now? Uh, he's the dickless reporter character who uh, digs too deep into McLean's backstory, putting the entire Nakatomi Tower and everyone involved at risk. It's his presence that cues Powell's breakdown because he resembles Walter Peck. <laughs> the man in the second the case, man with no dick. It's manifested in the shooting of Carl, the bad guy from Die Hard, who isn't Alan Rickman. He's already traumatized. At the time he shoots Carl, he's traumatized from his past incident of shooting an innocent kid. And being forced to use his gun again makes him snap. Unable to find peace on either coast, Sergeant Al Powell recedes deeper into his own mind and creates a safe place between the two tragic events. He imagines himself a family man in Chicago, still a cop, but one where his duties never interfere with a solid, loving home life. And not just a pregnant wife, either. Here he has a wife, three kids, a sister-in-law, and a mother all surrounding him, 
to give him support whenever and for whatever he needs. He's a family man dealing with family matters. He's not Al Powell, he's Carl Winslow, a man never attacked by terrorists or spirits of the undead. The only the only disturbing part in that entire scenario is the fact that he still comes up with Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there's a whole bunch more of there's a whole bunch more about Urkel, but I read that one time and it's was that cracked? Yeah. yeah okay, that's funny. Um, um, one of my, I've got um, a couple favorite lines or scenes, all obvious, big ones aside. I've always liked the line when uh, someone calls him. I think it's uh, Gruber calls him Mr. McLean, Mr. John McLean, and he yes. goes, "Sister, uh, Sister Teresa called me Mr. McLean in the third grade. My friends call me John. And you're neither you're, shithead. <laughs> you're neither." I also love the bit where I don't have it written down what he says, but it's when Hans is talking about how morally bankrupt America is. <laughs> it's, I love the range of emotions that McLean actually has in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like throughout the entire movie, it, you know, you see him as that just wisecracking, smart-ass lone warrior cop. But, I mean, honestly, when he's kind of having that heart-to-heart with Powell mm-hmm. about, you know, he's not sure if he's going to live through the rest of this night. Right. And wants him to, you know, you're a cop. You know what to do. You can find my wife. You know, tell her that I love her kind of thing. And right. that that's touching to me. And I didn't really look at it that way before. I mean, I love watching the movie regardless, but I mean, watching it with more of a critical eye, I'm like, man, he really hits that full spectrum sure. from, you know, one side to the other. Of, that's why it's really the best diehard movie. Yeah. Cause he has, cause he's still a human. It's a fully developed story and a fully developed. Character. Right. Yeah. My last, my last note watching it is that very end it's like, I don't know whose choice it was to steal the music from Aliens, but that last scene where Carl comes out and he's still alive and pulls up the AK-47 mm-hmm. and then Al pulls out his gun and saves the day, mm-hmm. that whole piece of music was not written by Michael Kamen. It's from Aliens? It's from Aliens. That's weird. Yeah. Huh. Uh, that I knew for a fact going, that is not from the movie. That is from a movie that's two years prior, and it was another 20th Century Fox movie since they owned the... Alien franchise, and it was just like, let's just dig into the archives, see what we got here. Michael, you're not writing something that's hitting the notes. So McTiernan goes, let me go back, see what else we got, because yeah. I need something that really punches that final scene where Carl comes out and Al saves the day with the final kill. A lot of the things you pointed out, I do not, I don't, I straight up don't remember because we were, uh, our friend Elizabeth came over for Christmas, or shout out, and uh, we were drunk as shit. <laughs> She's a she's a good beer friend. She got she brought all the all the different beers and we were not sober. <laughs> Talking about Theo earlier, I'm like, Theo's the only one that actually survives. He gets away, right? Yeah. He's the one that gets punched in the face by uh uh Argyle. He uh, sees the big moving van, he sees the backs the par- limo into yeah, it. The, yeah, backs the limo into it or hits him and then knocks him out. And then uh, the other thing that looks really good, and that's part of the trivia that I already knew, is when they drop. Some people, when you see in films, when people fall out of a building, fall mm-hmm. out of whatever, sometimes it looks stupid, sometimes it looks good. This one still holds up really well for two reasons. One, however they shot it. It was a real guy. Yeah, he was a real man, and he's <laughs> dead now. The film is dedicated to him. <laughs> no. <laughs> This was really Alan Rickman's only movie. They killed him at the end. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, when you see him drop, number one, the look on his face is real. 
because they let him go before the countdown was done <laughs> to get that surprised look on his face. So that was realistic. But just seeing him fall down, it doesn't look like he's in front of a green screen or no. a projection screen, backlit projection, sure it's, whatever. Sure it's projection. Either way, they lit that right to where it doesn't now look. That looks stupid because there's other movies made in the same time frame with that happen. You know, the main antagonist may die in some fate mm-hmm. similar to this that doesn't hold up. This one holds up well. It doesn't look like, wow, he's sitting in front of a screen that's about to fall into. No, it, it looks real. Yeah, it looks real. And it's why it's iconic. Oh, yeah. I hope that, hope that wasn't a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> the favorite lines, I have a few. McLean's my favorite line from some of the characters. The first one with McLean was, nine million ter- terrorists in the world, and i got to kill the one with smaller feet than my sister. <laughs> I don't know why that one hits me, and I always chuckle when I hear it, because it's just... It's just one of the first things he's like, God, I need to get shoes. And the first guy I kill has feet smaller than my sister. <laughs> Hans Kruber, his favorite lines is, I wanted to be professional, efficient, adult, cooperative. Not a lot to ask. Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way. So he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> with, uh, the chief of police, <laughs> I can do anything. I'm the chief of police with, Dwayne T. Robinson, it's like, sir, the FBI are here. Oh, the FBI is here now? Yes, sir, right over there. Hold this. And Sergeant Powell goes, want a breath mint? <laughs> I don't know why. It's just it's such a like you're, you're a douche the entire time, and then suddenly you're like, oh, crap. I better toe the line. I, I better toe the line. Yeah. Uh, and then the two FBI agents of that were not related. That's not the line, but it was the... They're flying in the helicopter, and he's like, just like fucking Saigon, hey, Slick. And the other guy's like, I was in junior high, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> That's Those are my favorite lines of the movie. Um, if you would want to ruin this movie and recast the lead, who would you? Uh, let's recast see. both leads. Recast. Okay. I, I have like- two. Okay. And I don't know if they'll either work. If you had to recast the lead, who would you pick to star in this film? I put Joseph Gordon-Levitt as John McClane. Just because of Looper? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And then I put either Benedict Cumberbatch or Ralph uh, or Ray Fiennes as Hans Gruber. Cumberbatch would be better. Cumberbatch would be better. And definitely more close on the lines of age-wise for the film. I would go with as John McClane and Hans Gruber. Mid-70s Burt Ralph. Nope, nope. <laughs> Uh, okay. As John McClane and Hans Gruber, respectively. Okay. John McClane, Gene Wilder, Hans Gruber, Woody Allen. <laughs> Two redheaded neurotic Jews. Yes. <laughs> that would be interesting. D- I mean, uh, I mean, guess if you're not going to take it seriously. Yeah, it's, I'm clearly. I mean, not come on. It seriously, you can't. You can't. I know. It's really hard to it's, recast when you don't want to. It's hard in the next episode that we'll talk about later. Is recasting is really difficult when you feel like the characters are properly cast. Yeah. Are. Um, I, I I couldn't think of. I mean, you could recast the movie. You could you recast could, it. It's you could just, do a Jason you, you Statham, would, or you could do a Hugh Jackman. Um, but they're just, not. They don't no. because of their physicality there and are, because of look. Their, it's already bad enough that each movie outside of the third progressively gets worse. Mm. You know, it's better yeah. than four or five, <laughs> and it's in my three pack, and it's there, and I may just go ah screw it. I'm going to put in Die Hard too. Why? Oh, why? I why not? Feel like punishing myself? Exactly. 
because I want to watch a movie that Rennie Harlan directed. That was is that better, Rennie Harlan? That, that was better. That explains than, that stupid ass explosion of <laughs> the plane. <laughs> that, that was better. It right that was there. better than uh, Cutthroat Island. <laughs> Rennie Harlan. Okay. Uh, okay. Can you provide any comparison, like a, a recommend, better or a similar compar- film? Yeah. Yeah. A couple. They are as follows. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. That was mine. That Beverly, was the only one I put down was Lethal Weapon. Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Die Hard with a Vengeance. I didn't put that one down, but I definitely could see that. Maybe Mad Max. Okay. Different tone, definitely. Yeah. But just... Um, of the of the ones I mentioned, um, I would say... And again, I haven't seen Lethal Weapon in so long, but tonally, because it was a year earlier. Yeah. I would say Lethal Weapon is probably your... Yeah. Your... It's the buddy cop, and it's not like relegated to just one location, yeah. but definitely. Uh, but this, if you want, if you want John McClane, if you want straight up John McClane, then Die Hard with the Vengeance is your best bet for a similar film, right? Um, does it still hold up? Yep. <laughs> was it not? I'm like in the 30 years since its release and four other sequels, it's the only film that I purposefully rewatch every Christmas. The franchise as a whole doesn't really hold up. A lot like other action franchises, because the studio steps in and tries to either reinvigorate it, live free or die hard, and ruin it by making things way too over the top while slapping a PG-13 rating on it, or they attempt to course correct a good day to high hard, shifting back into R, dropping him in Russia where the audience just doesn't care anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely holds up. It's one of the big three funny cop movies. It's the it's Beverly Hills Cop is funnier, but definitely still a good funny cop movie. Mm-hmm. But lethal good weapon, action, lethal but weapon more humor. Is, lethal weapon is an action cop movie and kind of funny. Right. Die Hard is, is an action cop. Um, well, it's an action movie. Right. With kind of cop, kind of funny. Yeah. And there may be more. Save your letters and emails. I don't know. But all three of those still hold up. Like you, you. What was the third one? It was the Beverly Hills Cop, Die Hard. What was the third one? Lethal Weapon? Lethal Weapon. Okay, yeah. yeah. You still see... Yeah, you don't yeah. really see... You see Lethal Weapon parodied, and you see right. Die Hard parodied. You don't really see Beverly Hills Cop parodied, because it was it was so much more comedy, but... It was a few years earlier, and it was definitely comedy, because they're focusing on yeah. Stallone it, not being in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, they still hold up... They're, they're still mentioned today for a reason. That's because yeah. they're... It still holds up. Mm-hmm. The you can't miss when you got good material. Yeah, which is those are my final thoughts. There's not a lot not to say that we haven't already said. There's you, you cast the role properly. Yeah, you got a good director with a good sensibility, good music. Yeah, I mean these were. I mean, this good was score. like this was the middle film of McTiernan's like what I would call like his cinematic hat trick, where well, he did Predator the yeah. year before, did Die Hard, and then well a little bit different, but still just as good on a different level. He did uh, the Hunt for Red October, and so he oh. had three like in a row cinematic releases that all did really well, really well received. Two are probably considered the apex, or in the apex of like action movies, especially eighties action movies. Yeah, you know, and that's just that's really hard to beat. Die Hard for me is like that favorite pair of sneakers that never let you down. They're comfortable upon first purchase, and they've only gotten better with time. Yeah. You know, every action movie that has been released since 88 with a similar style and tone always is measured to this film, and it rarely ever meets those expectations. It is hands down the best action movie of the 80s, and quite quite possibly the best action movie ever put on film. 
that's a bold statement, but oh, it's, those are your final thoughts. So yeah. I'll let that fly. I think so. Well, all right. That's going to wrap us for uh, Fifth Element and Die Hard. Or Die Hard. Fifth Element and Die Hard. And Die Hard and Fifth Element. I can't think of a way to combine the two where it's like a... The uh, die the, element. The fifth element <laughs> dies hard. <laughs> That's another movie. Tis. Um, so, yeah, we will be back next week with another pair of movies for you. Yeah. And uh, another bunch of alcohol. So, All right, so he's Travis. And he's Nathan. Have a good day. Cheers. Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Six Pack Double Feature presents Tangents. Look, the guys stray off topic and get distracted sometimes by. I said dude a lot, but that doesn't mean anything. Okay, a lot. But it's still funny. Just think of it as a sweet, sweet clip show. What's on your mind, guys? Once we went back and committed to uh, um, this Saturday. Like, fuck, I gotta get those two westerns done now. Because <laughs> I was planning on doing it in between. Because yeah. we were going to do a Friday night and a Friday night. And it wasn't that oh, big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, fuck, I gotta watch both of those. <laughs> right, back, almost back to back. So Silverado, that was it's, it's what's funny is that's the first one I sat down, or that's the first one I was gonna watch, mm-hmm. and the first I I've only seen it twice, and this being the second time, right? And I remember from the first time I watched that is a long fucking movie, and the first note I wrote without even watching it was why are westerns so fucking long, <laughs> and then I didn't watch it until the last. It's not as long as you think, but it can it's play still, that way. Yeah. They're both about the same length. Both them. Both both of them. Who said we were terrorists? I've titled it Das Fünfte Element. <laughs> Just how you say it in German. <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? Can you figure out what it is? Probably a lightsaber. No, that one's <laughs> No, this is this is uh the Wolverine's claws oh. coming out. <laughs> But it's also got a lot of his in the same time. It is. It's a Wolverine Claws supercut. <laughs> That'll be fun. Who said we were terrorists? Definitely. Definitely. It takes. Definitely. That's, that's my Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? Yes. The Grappa lives on. Uh, <laughs> I would. I that was the first time for me when I saw that, and I went, "Oh, yeah." I've I've probably seen this half a dozen or so times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've never. I didn't know what grapple was until about a year ago. It's camel pee. It's camel pee. Who said we were terrorists? If not, you'll notice there'll be a long break between <laughs> the two uh, the two parts of this. Yeah, there uh, are no, double there's, no, there's no trivia for Die Hard. <laughs> this is after you asked like three times. What what am I doing trivia on? You're doing it on this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one. I wrote okay, it, cool. I wrote it down too. I just kept losing my notes or my <laughs> my note that told me what I was. Who said we were terrorists? I haven't read anything one way or the other, but I wonder if that sort of inspired Lucas to look how colorful and stupid this movie was. <laughs> I can do better. I can, or I my, can do. Hold on. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. I can do worse. <laughs> <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? 
I'm imagining him saying that as Zorg. Uh, oh no, I couldn't. Bear, I can't. Yeah, you're. It's a shitty Doc Holiday. <laughs> I, I just couldn't bear it. <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? You think she was scared about the drugs in that episode? I'm so scared, Zach. Mm-hmm. She'd be terrified. She would be of the thing. Who said we were terrorists? I'm gonna do that. Uh, you have fun with that. I will. The last time I tried to make a supercut of something, I couldn't remember how to download the stuff and then get it, so I just tried to... F- I forget what I tried to do. But I ended up downloading this wicked virus onto my computer. I had to call Apple and have them clean it up, and I had to look like an idiot. That's unfortunate. I wasn't happy about it. Who said we were terrorists? And I, I'm not familiar enough with any of his... I know he's if you action. Well, if you've seen any... Th- I'm going to see the Avengers of... next week. Yeah. So. The new one. Is it still playing? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even know what it was. My friend just said, hey, you uh, want to go see it? Well, that's all right. He's not going to be in that because he's not in this one. Oh. Uh, he's off somewhere else. They mention it somewhere in the movie. Anyway, that's beside the point. And He's off doing Hawkeye stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's off chopping wood at his home. <laughs> I was going to say operating in Korea <laughs> during the war. <laughs> oh, Lord. Great. Who said we were terrorists? In 3D at Disneyland. That was pretty cool. Um, That's when that that and the Star Tours where you just were in the thing that kind of moved you around and watching a screen and like that maybe thing Danny the sensation. DeVito, like that thing Danny DeVito drives in Batman Returns? Exactly. Sure. Why not? He didn't invite me, so I crashed. Who said we were terrorists? Who's the guy that's doing the house that Jack built? He's the fucked up director. The chick that was in Nymphomaniac would be good. Very svelte and whips ass in that movie is this where we pause and find out who that is because now I'm curious I suppose we can <laughs> listen to this song by the the I can't remember the name by the, the blue... fabulous Cadillacs or whatever <laughs> oh the uh... <laughs> <laughs> the Coupe de Ville's the Coupe de Ville's it's, um... our, it's our callback Just go away. Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. I need to see what she looks like. Yeah, I feel like that movie, watching that movie put me on a list. Okay, I can it's see we- that. It's weird. It's a weird movie. You probably are on a list to begin with, but that one just elevated you. Just pulled you Oh, I know why I watched it initially. Okay. Um, it's a gripping title, to be, <laughs> to be <You're> sure. Like, <laughs> and this was when uh, Shia LaBeouf had started to lose his goddamn mind. And I kind of wanted to see what he was doing that made because I remember them saying he did a movie that was basically porn, and I was not that I wanted. Isn't to see it in like two parts that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and there's like, there's like is a, that? Um, damn it! What is the director's name now? Oh shit! I just had it pulled up. Uh, that guy who does he's stuff. He's uh, from Norland or something. Oh, he's doing Von he's, Trier. Is that the one? Um, possibly. Oh, I think I know exactly. Yeah, it's. Um, Lars von Trier. Yeah. 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 That and uh, he's doing the He's doing one. all the ones of the movies that I really have no interest in seeing. He's kind of like a nouveau... Uh, David Lynch? Kind of, but um, uh, I can't think of his name. Did Robocop. Oh, that's what I was going to. Jesus Christ. What is his name? His name is not Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I have returned. And here's my script. I'd like to get that to... The... 
yeah. Paul Verhoeven. Paul, Paul Verhoeven. It's because he's you he's know, he's from Amsterdam. He's those, from those um, dudes from that part of the country. They're yeah. like they're really happy people, but they are fucked in the head. Anyway, it's a tangent on nymphomaniac. But hope um, you enjoy that in the extra <laughs> episode that we'll play halfway through. Charlotte Gaines the week. Uh, she would be. I think she okay. Would be a good Lilu. Who said we were terrorists? That's the American way. It's a Japanese company, right? I don't remember. Japanese. I company, really don't know. It's a Japanese company that owns uh, Maker's Mark now. They own Jim Beam. Which owns Maker's Mark. So, you're right. That's the American way. Who said we were terrorists? This is the one where it's like ever, if there ever was a movie that I always fantasized about living out like as a teenager, you know? Yeah. Like just being put in that scenario. So, that scenario. And then most likely dying about five minutes in. Because <laughs> uh, you know, it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're a New York cop. And you're... 15. <laughs> I'm young. I look young for my age. Yeah, exactly. Who said we were terrorists? Tonight's European terrorists are brought to you by Vidal Sassoon. <laughs> that was one of the things I wrote down. I'm like, my God, those guys, mo- almost all of them, other than uh, what's his name from Ghostbusters 2, uh, Vigo or whatever, if you've watched Ghostbusters 2, he's one of the terrorists. Is he the blonde one? Uh, there are a lot of them. Are bl- no, a couple of them. The are long, blonde haired one. He's the ugliest of all, all of them. I don't remember Vigo the Carpathian, uh, the Scourge of Carpathia yeah. being in Vigo, there. Yeah, Vigo is, I think he's the one that fires off the the rocket onto bringing the car. I need to go back and Get, watch it. Yeah. I um, need to go back and watch it in five months from now when you watch it at Christmas time, right? Yes. Try to remember that. I'll remember it. All, all right. right. Who said we were terrorists? And so the only reason why he did the third one was that it changed the setting. Took him to New York. It was in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. Completely different scenario. While it had elements of, you know, Hans's brother, although we don't know if that was truly his reasoning why, but he was related to Hans. Yeah. Si- Simon uh, Gruber. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But that's the only reason why he did the the second one that's one of the movies when i ever think of new york city that's one of the one of the top 5 that i always think of new york is that film who said we were terrorists and so i just i find it funny whenever he does that i'm like it's it is it may not be hot in december but it's definitely not cold not even close to being cold so nothing ever got cold enough to justify a fireplace. And I'm sure my parents only said, yes, okay, we'll turn it on. Well, Was it gas? No. Well, it had gas, but it was a wood burning. Oh, okay. So. Who said we were terrorists? I don't know, I, that, I don't know <laughs> if they meant to do that or just like, dude, look at this. Okay. He looks like Huey Lewis. Let's, 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 let's put him in. We'll put him at the front desk. He doesn't have to do much until the end. What's his character's name? H. Lewis. <laughs> H. L. <laughs> H. L. Mencken. <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? Oh man, you I'm, you're taking that home today. I was gonna say if you have it, I'll take it home. Yeah, okay. I, I think I, I have either in like Flint or our man Flint. As long as it's not on VHS, we'll be fine. No, it's on, <laughs> it's on DVD. I got, it at, I got it at Kroger. Um, I'll find one more. I'll find one more short one. Um, Where do you buy your movies? Kroger. At Kroger. Who said we were terrorists? It's captivating. I know. Shut up. You want to follow? You want to go down a rabbit a hole, dumbass rabbit hole. But that's fun. No, like, it is fun. It's a fun rabbit hole when you have the time. It's like I wonder yeah. if someone like put the Twinkies in there because of Ghostbusters, right? And, and made that. So that's yeah. 
That's the crazy fan theory. And the fact that I already know he was in Ghostbusters in the first place. Was, it's a, it's they, he's a quick. It was just a. Yeah. You blink and you almost miss him. Um, Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Southeast Asia, we call this type of thing bad karma. <laughs>